0: episode 21 of from the shedden podcast uh myself t dot and theo first of all how are you doing theo i'm good a uh, bit of
1: a late night sleep uh last night with following all the transfer drama so I'm a bit tired today or i've been tired throughout the day but otherwise than that, i'm pretty good thanks
0: and yourself yeah yeah not bad busy, busy couple of days um like yourself you know watching yesterday sort of looking at the clock and 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 hoping deals are going to get done for us so um which i'm sure we're going to talk about later as well but um as always is how we start the podcast um if you're on twitter or instagram you can follow us at from the shed end that's on twitter and instagram is at from the shed end with underscore between each of the words um so Give us a like um, and obviously on YouTube as well so you can subscribe to us and um, give us a like, comment on, on the videos as well. So all of that's appreciated. But if we we kick off straight away, um, brilliant game. Well, I say brilliant. Depends how you look at it, from what perspective. But um, Anfield, give me your thoughts. Liverpool 1-1, a lot to talk about. I mean, you kind of summed it up there.
1: It's kind of how you see the game, how it kind of unfolded. It's a brilliant point, given the circumstances, being down to ten men, and playing a full forty-five minutes with ten players. But it's also quite disappointing um, that how things unfolded with the red card, and especially you know how we played in that first half and how we kind of you know, all the chances we created when we had a full squad. It almost goes to show that we could have actually you know snatched the three points, which at Anfield, away from home, which is always a difficult ground to go to. So it's it's kind of, it's a bit bittersweet in a way, um, but let's focus on, you know, what did happen on the pitch and not what didn't happen. But um, we, we got a point and I think we probably one of the best defensive performances I've seen in a very long time from this Chelsea side. And I just know that had that been, you know, uh, you know had we gone down to 10 men, say, last season or two seasons ago, I think we would have crumbled under the pressure, would have conceded maybe two or three. Actually, I think we did uh, go down to Liverpool, um, down to ten men against Liverpool last season when uh, Christensen got sent off. And you know, we just kind of almost crumbled. I think Mane scored two quite quickly after. Or maybe he'd already scored one before the red card. But I remember it being quite a tight, uh, difficult game to watch. But don't get me wrong; it was a difficult game to watch on on um, on Saturday. But um, but yeah, I, I felt I it's the first time in a very long time I've celebrated a point because um, it's the way it felt. You know, Mendy kind of dealt with everything that was fired from him from long range. I thought, you know, Silver coming in at halftime, he did brilliantly, and not to mention uh, Rudiger and um, and, uh, and Christensen, who for me, Christensen was my man of the match. But yeah, overall an amazing defensive performance. And I think what Tuchel's really brought to this team having come in in January is this kind of defensive stability where it almost looks like we're not going to concede a goal. And, you know, we know how to defend leads, we know how to defend, um, you know, draws in this situation. And it was overall a fantastic... Um,
0: one point, I'm going to put it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with you a, a lot. I think um, there's a lot of positives to take from a, a game, um, and and knowing the um, the difficulties you can face at Anfield as well with the the front three of um, well, depending on who he, he who he starts, if it's you know Jota or Mane Salah, um, Firmino, you know we know the dangers that they can they can give us as well. So I think I think we started really well. I thought it was end to end. I thought it was very sort of um, typical kind of Liverpool Chelsea game in terms of, you know, that intensity was there straight away from kickoff and um, it was enjoyable to watch Um, as as, as crazy as that sounds, you know, it was a, it was a brilliant game to watch, but I thought we, I thought we matched Liverpool, you know, you know, before the talk talk of the game, there was talk about Lukaku and and Van Dijk and, um, you know, that matchup together. And I just, I just thought it was, potentially overhyped and um, I think watching the game back there was um, a comment made in commentary that you know that the hype was around Van Dijk and Lukaku but actually it was Mesa Mount and Kai Havertz that were causing Liverpool's defence all the trouble um, you know there was plenty of chances I think we had in the, in the first half I think um, Havertz could potentially square it to Lukaku at that point I think we've already scored it's 1-0 um, which was a brilliant goal um from the corner whether it was intentional or not but still still a goal um but just in terms of the chances that we had when it was 1-0 knowing the danger that um liverpool can can give you when you, when we go 1-0 up we've got those chances there and mason mount had a, a brilliant chance very unlucky as well beats uh trent alex Arnold. Left him, you know, left him for for for, for everything, and um, was just unfortunate not to score. But again, that's an opportunity where Lukaku was in a brilliant position as well. So it was it was a tough one to take in the first half. Um, but what I want to ask you about, which has obviously um, been the, the bone of contention, is the the uh, penalty incident. And uh, you know, it's it's a mixed um, opinion. But I'm going to ask you what yours was and, and your take on on the whole event that took place.
1: I mean it's Anthony Taylor again. So whatever he does, it's almost going to just annoy Chelsea fans regardless. And, you know, we, there's countless tweets out there with, or threads or even videos now kind of showcasing all the different incidents that have gone against Chelsea when Anthony Taylor's officiated one of our games. And for me, it was a penalty. I'll give it to him. It was a penalty. Um, Had, you know, Rhys James's arm not been there, it would have gone in and it would have been a goal, but I don't think it's a red card. I think the red card is extremely harsh. Um, especially the fact that it comes off his knee and then it hits his arm. The one thing maybe, you know, if I want to play devil's advocate, his arm was kind of, you know, an emotion of swinging forwards. However, I don't think it was going in, even if it was swinging forwards. So, um, you know, the fact that it hit his knee first, then his arm. And if I really want to reflect on events of the past as well, I'm just remembering in the FA Cup final when, when Iose Perez, you know, needed it, hit his arm and I think he ended up assisting. or That was in the build-up, at least, to Tillerman's goal, which was the winner in the end, the, in the FA Cup final against Chelsea. So I was almost feeling, if you can assist the goal with your arm, why can't you, you know, uh, use it in, the, in a defensive way? You know, so it's kind of it's frustrating in a way. And then what even frustrates me even more, which kind of the commentators picked up on and the pundits after the game, I think Aspelacuesta mentioned it as well, is that Anthony Taylor goes to the VAR screen and looks at a still image of the of the relay and not the actual replay in motion, which is even more frustrating. So um, I, it was, it was quite annoying to watch and it kind of, from a neutral point of view as well, It would have, it really killed the game I felt because, you know, we could have gone into that second half and had a brilliant game of football if it was 11 of us, 11, but I'm curious to know like, being, cause you are at Anfield on Saturday. I want to know kind of what it what kind of occurred in the away end when all of that was unfolding.
0: Um, well, it was a, uh it was interesting <laughs> it was like that um, it, was, it was it was it was hard to tell I think because i think at the, at the time it almost looks like he just hits his knee um you don't really see it obviously the, the, the sort of quickness that it all happened in as well i don't think you actually get to see what's actually happened you you kind of caught up in the moment of the game but um watching it back uh, it was it's a harsh one and i know the letter of the law is that he's touched his, he's touched his arm. He's touched a part of his arm which is technically in the laws of the game it's handball um I, it takes me back to, I think it was luis Suarez in in a in I think it was for uh might have been one of the World Cups jian mm-hmm. and it was yeah. very similar. I think he he basically handballs it on the line very different because it, it that was very deliberate. But um I know he got a straight red and even after the game he said yeah, I had to do that take it for the team sort of thing. But I, I think with Reese James it was very harsh because at that point where does he put his arms? you know does he put them behind his back that's very unnatural they were down his side it's not like he literally you know volleyed the ball volleyballed it out of the nets you know or saved it with his hands or it was just a natural reaction he can't move his arm anywhere if he moves it up he's going to be classed as handball. if he puts it down it goes in for a goal so i think it was um i think it was very harsh obviously looking back today i think there's been um the fa of, of basically um I don't know if they've opened the investigation or they're they're fine and us for for these sort of uncontrollable players on the pitch. But we look look back at replays. There's plenty of you know if you're going to give the fine to Chelsea, then surely Liverpool will have to hold the same um, punishment as well because it's you know the two go hand in hand for me.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree about that. If Chelsea are being charged by the FA for not being able to control their players, then Liverpool should be held accountable as well. I think after the penalty incident, Mendy went to clear the ball and accidentally almost hit Henderson or whoever. And then about three or four Liverpool players just came flying at his face. And I don't know what happened in the tunnel afterwards, but, you know, Azpilicueta was quite vocal to Anthony Taylor, but he's completely entitled to, be, to do that. He's the captain at the end of the day. But um, it was difficult. I think, as you said, when you're watching it live, it was so hard to tell that even hit his arm, I was almost. it looked like pinball in the penalty box. And I was celebrating when it got cleared out because I thought, "Woof, we just avoided a goal. But, um, but then when you, when you watch the replay, it does hit his arm. But as you said, I think it's a, his arm's in a natural position. It's nothing like that Suarez handball at the World Cup or even I think the Fernandinho one two seasons ago when um, he got yeah. a red card at Stanford Bridge and Williams scored the penalty because I think his arm was you know away from his body and he kind of flicked it away of his arm. But Rhys James doesn't flick it away. It kind of just brushes his arm after hitting his knee. So it's... It's extremely harsh. And I just kind of hope that if it we are going to give get reds and penalties for these type of you know incidents, that uh, at least it stays consistent. Because I think what we've we've seen from the last couple of seasons is that there's no consistency in these handball rules. There's no consistency on the handball rules, not just in the penalty box, but in the pitch into in the whole area of the pitch. So as long as there's some consistency and they kind of award more penalties and red cards for these, then it will make sense to me why he got sent off. But otherwise I just I'm still a bit bamboozled by it all.
0: Yeah. yeah. It, it definitely changed the game as well. Um, there were subs. Obviously, Kante came off with the ankle injury anyway, but the, the defensive subs that um, Thomas Tuchel had to make for the second half showed a lot of resilience and it showed a lot of, you mentioned it at the start of the uh, episode, how how well we can defend without conceding. Um, I thought Mendy was was brilliant in goal. Um, you know, he pulled off some brilliant saves two or three brilliant saves in the second half as well but i think just as a, as a team you know defensively we looked a lot better there was obviously um discussions at half time to do that but what was your what was your take on you know that second half you know people call it parking the bus but is it not just the case that we actually defended which is part of the game which is you know it's an element of football you have to defend just as much as you have to attack
1: definitely I think you know we're completely entitled to if you want to call it park the bus or just play a bit more defensive and you can say we were defensive but I think we still had one or two shots on target in that second half I think with the Kovacic chance and uh, the Lukaku volley I think when Alonso headed it to him so it was almost maybe we're defending but in the hope of maybe having a counter-attack chance and trying to score but um, I think when you're playing like a, a team like Liverpool with 10 men you've you're almost forced to just park the bus or play with you know 10 players behind the ball at times. I think Lukaku was quite, you know, the sole striker, you know, in the hope that we'd have a break, um, break a, a, a counter attack and try to score. But um, I'm not going to criticize the tactics at all for that second half because it got us the point. And um, as you said, uh, Mendy, was, Mendy was superb. Um, you know, I, think, I don't think they had a kind of click at chance. A lot of the chances were from long range. I think Henderson, Fabinho, Van Dijk, they all had chances from long range and Mendy looked comfortable dealing with those and he did a great job. So, probably my second man of the match alongside Christensen.
0: Yeah, I'd have to second that. I think the whole team could have got man of the match in yeah. the second half, to be fair. You know, everyone literally worked 10 out of 10 for the effort. So, you know, I think it's um, definitely a point gained rather than two points lost. And going to Anfield this early in the season, for me anyway, is, is, is brilliant. You know, I, I think normally the last couple of seasons, we played them normally the back end of the season, normally April or May. And... At that at that point, you know, you kind of may need a point or you might need a win, you know, to maybe secure the league or secure top four. So to get that game out of the way so early and play in the manner that we did, I thought was brilliant as well. But um, long break now until I think it's the 11th of September, Aston Villa, half five for the, for the next game. But um, yesterday you mentioned earlier, obviously there was, um, yeah, a, a bit of a delay getting getting our our transfer through that we eventually did. Um, so, to give me your thoughts on our new midfielder, what, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I was um, I was scrolling, refreshing Twitter every two seconds on Fabrizio Romano's, um feed, but um, but yeah, it's 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 a strange one because I think I was kind of a bit on the fence in the previous episode when I we spoke about Niguez. I thought, you know, if we sign him, great, it's great. But if we don't sign him, then I'm not too fussed. But you know, looking back now, and I kind of you know re- reading a lot of kind of Insight on Twitter or on on, on Eurosport and other um, sporting apps. I realize that um, we do need maybe that that midfielder that can come up with goals because when you look back, mm-hmm. I know that Jorginho was our our highest um, goal scorer in the Premier League, but he's not going to contribute with many goals from you know open play. Kovacic, we know his goal scoring record at Chelsea, and Kante, you know, once in the blue moon, he will get a, a good goal. But um, but I think Sanagaz he's got. He had a fair few goals in the last couple of seasons. I think um, he's not, I haven't really, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I haven't watched a lot of La Liga, but, um, but what I have seen from him in the Champions League games, he was superb. I must remember a brilliant goal he scored against Bayern Munich, I think in, in the knockout stages yeah. in 2016. He might have even scored at Stamford Bridge when he, we played them in the group stages, I think in the back end of 2017. And he's a very good player and he's a Spanish international as well. And I think the fact that with Mourinho Granevskouva probably Managed to haggle to get him on loan first with an option to buy, not an obligation, but an option to buy for thirty-five million is absolutely superb business, I think. Because should he perform, we get him for thirty-five million. Should we not be that fast in signing him, you know, on a on a permanent deal, we we miss out on him, but we you know we wouldn't have paid you know any any money at all. So I, I am excited to see him, and I think you know it, when we spoke about the depth that you know our squad needs going into the season having that fourth midfielder, which I thought maybe is an option, should should Gilmore, you know, having having sent Gilmore out and learn, I think um, kind of solves that issue. And um, clearly Tuchel as well wanted him. So to have Kovacic, Gil- uh, Kovacic, Noguez, Jorginho and Kante, I can't really think of another team in world football that's got you know that good of a midfield in a way. So I'm excited to have him and um, I'm excited as well to see him maybe play on against Aston Villa on the 11th of September, which I secured my tickets for today. So I'm mean, I'm, uh, I'm excited
0: to go um, out as well. Good job. Yeah. 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 I think, um, yeah, I think, I think you're, I think you're right. You know, we spoke about um, Sam Niguez on, on the previous episode and what he can bring to the midfield. Definitely goals uh, um, and definitely depth as well. And I think that is going to be key this season, regardless of whether, you know, we, we have injuries along the way or, you know, COVID might, there might be a COVID outbreak as well. But I think in terms of what he brings, regardless of, of those um, possibilities is the fact that he, he can score goals from midfield. And that's something that we have lacked for a couple of seasons now. So I think he brings something different. It's a different option. Um, it allows to call to potentially tweak certain parts of the, the, the style of play that we're, we're trying to bring in. Um, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited. I think yesterday when the, when the deal was going through or potentially not going through, because I think at one point um, I, I read that it wasn't going to go through because of the Anton Griezmann um, Luke, Luke De Jong sort of deals were relying on uh, Sal Niguez as well so they were all interlinked and they wanted needed to go through at the same time and I think it was a couple of minutes potentially before deadline that it actually went through mm-hmm. so 10.58 um, 10, 10, I, 10, I, I think it was yeah. yeah yeah so it was almost like a De Gea uh, sort of transfer a couple, couple of years ago but I agree with you, you know, I think to have the option rather than obligation to buy is definitely key. And I said that on the previous episode that we need to try and get the option rather than an obligation. I think it's going to work out. I think he's going to, you know, for 35 million, I think we're going to get ourselves a brilliant midfielder, um, which we've been kind of lacking. You know, we've tried other options and brought other players in that potentially we thought could do that, but they just haven't done it for us. So I think to bring in this kind of quality um, for for the price that we are eventually, hopefully. I think it's a steal. I really do. I think it's a steal. It kind of masks over the Zuma deal, which we spoke about last week and, and losing Zuma um, for, for for the price that we did. This kind of makes up for it in some ways.
1: It is, and it's always a bit more exciting. Maybe signing a, a you know, a midfielder who can score goals than a, a centre back as well, because we did miss out on on Kounde last last night as well, I think, whether, you know, we really went to the end with the deal. But I think Sevilla kind of upped their price or so they were asking for too much money. And again, Kunde was one I was excited about, but had it not really worked out, you know, it's kind of, I would have not be, you know, been really that upset about, especially with Chaloba's emergence in preseason. And um, potentially there was Rook talks as well last night about Ampadu staying for another season, you know, but he did end up going on loan to, to Venezia, which I just want to briefly touch upon. I think it's uh, quite a poor, poor loan move, in my opinion. I think, um, yeah. you know, when, you, when you've gone from Sheffield, who just who got relegated last season, to a newly pro- promoted team in, in Serie A who just came out from Serie B I think is quite you know it's almost a, when you thought that you, could you get downgraded from you know a relegated Premier League team well, well there you go I think a promoted Serie, <laughs> Serie B team into, into, Serie, into Serie A so um, I was expecting him to go on loan to maybe a oh, I don't know a Southampton or even a Burnley potentially a team that you know are quite consistent in the Premier League with their performances and you know, at least uh, you know, can finish around fifteenth or sixteenth, but um, to go to to a newly promoted Serie A team, I think is, I was quite I was quite shocked about, and I don't think you know we saw his move to Leipzig um I think two seasons ago in Bundesliga, I didn't really work out either. So, but I think there's this appeal now for Serie A to kind of lure these Premier League British players, which we're seeing a lot more of now, and I think there was also talks of lost his Cheek wanted by Napoli and Roma at periods as well last night. Yeah. So. So I don't know, but, um, but I think that's quite a poor loan move. I hope it works out and I hope I'm proven wrong, but um, I would have liked him to stay in the Premier League at least.
0: Yeah, because I think he's definitely one for the future. You know, I think looking back at some of his games for Sheffield United, he you know, he did play well, albeit that they got relegated, but I, I think he's got the experience to play in the Premier League now and it would have been nice to see him maintain that, build on that for, for, for the future. You know, I think, like I said, you know, he's got, he's got something about him that I think will get him into the Chelsea. Uh, team at some point but yeah you know we'll have to see um, it's going to be tough for him it's going to be even probably more difficult than he was at Sheffield United fair play they've got a decent kit um, <laughs> and that's the best thing about them um, but apart from that I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle for him there but you mentioned um, a couple of the, the loanies that have gone out we can finally uh, <laughs> say that Danny Trinkwater uh, has gone on loan as well and Baba Rahman I think went on loan I think to Redden I think um the deals were done mm, both of them went to redden yeah yeah and um ross barkley i think is he is he still with us or did he did he end up going he's still with us i think he's still able to
1: move <laughs> to turkey or teams in eastern europe but yeah. as it stands he's still a chelsea player without a squad number so yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: i mean i i laugh but it's it's you know it's It's a serious thing. You know, I think when you look at the quality that he potentially does have, he's not in the contention for Chelsea at all. He hasn't got a squad number. Um, It just shows the, I don't know if it's a lack of uh, wanting to do or is it just the fact that there's ongoing issues between maybe the club and and, and Ross Barkley that we just don't know about. But it just seems very odd that a player who who has got the, the quality to play at a top Premier League club would rather sit and not play football.
1: I think there, there was a talks last night as well of Burnley maybe being interested in getting him on a loan deal, but in the end, I think maybe his wages were too much, or they couldn't come to an agreement. But it is it is sad because I think he is a quality player on his day, and if you know he's not able to seal a loan move to another Premier League club, even if Aston Villa didn't want to take him for another season on loan, or he wasn't able to go back to Everton, kind of you know is his Premier League journey over now? Does he look abroad? Does he kind of you know resort to going to Turkey? And you know, trying to salvage something um, in the Turkish division, but but clearly he's not in Tuchel's plans. Um I think you know him not being in the squad last season and being at Aston Villa when Tuchel came in in January really damaged his chances of you know breaking into the team. Um And you know, we we spoke about the amount of players and that we had this summer, and I think he was one of those casualties alongside maybe you know the the drink waters, the Baba Ramans, the Kennedys, Costa, that you know just are fringe players now, and maybe just keep on signing them up to new contracts in the hope that, you know, we don't want to let them go for free, but one day a club will come in and buy them like we got with Zappa Costa in the end. So fingers crossed that he does manage to sort something out and manages to get a move somewhere and hopefully um, get to play some football this season.
0: Yeah, and another player that was linked to um, leaving yesterday was um, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Who I believe there was a bit of interest in Germany for him. Nothing was, nothing came off that um, that deal. So he looks like he's into Tuchel's plans to to an extent up until at least January. So, what what's your thoughts on that? Does he have a, a part to play? Can he maybe play right wing back? Um, in, you know, potentially when Reese James needs a rest, is that maybe the thinking behind Tuchel's plans?
1: I think he's definitely an important player to to, to our squad. Um, just the one problem is it's kind of his game time is quite inconsistent. He'll play one or two games, then not play for maybe three or four weeks, then play one or two. Um, but if um, you know now that we we've sold a centre back, maybe ASP will be more seen as a centre back this season, which means that Rhys James and Hudson Odoi will rotate from time to time as the right wing backs. And even you, you know, our next coming out of the international break, we've got Rhys James on a suspension. Do we play Hudson Odoi as right wing back? Do we play? Aspilicueta but um, I think the lone move to Dortmund would have been perfect for him because I think that's a brilliant club for you know young English wingers development like we've seen with Jaden Sancho but at the same time I do I was kind of hoping he would stay because I don't want this squad you know this is a Champions League winning squad we need to build on it not get rid of players and you know maybe replace them with players that we need or get rid of too many players and not replace them so I'm kind of I'm glad he stayed, and we'll hopefully he will play a part this season. And we have to remember he he scored some important goals for us last season, the the opener against Rennes away, which kind of brought us the the three points in the end. And um, he scored some others, I think, quite early on in the season, the opener against Krasnodar in Russia. So um, I think he will. Yeah, I mean, he will play a part this season, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he plays right wing back on um, against Villa on the 11th, having really kind of made that position his own in, in pre season.
0: Yeah, be be interesting to see because um, I think it's straight red as well, wasn't it? So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a couple of games I think that he'll miss now. Um, but we'll see. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm glad he's staying. I think he's got, I agree with you, I think he's got a massive part to play at the club. It would be a shame to see him go. But, you know, I think we've got to, I've said it before on, on previous episodes, we, we've got to have that depth this season in the squad for numerous reasons. And I think, like you said, you know, if we're going to try and push for the lead, you do need that that rotation in in the squad to be able to do that. You need the best plays that you've got to, to your uh, capability. So it's going to be interesting. I I still tip us for the league. I still think, you know, looking at how we've played, um, you know, Liverpool was a massive test for us. And I think we passed it regardless that we dropped two points. I still think we, you know, a couple of seasons ago, we potentially would have lost that game. And I think the, the desire and the, 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 to Kevines, you know the cohesion that was there in that squad defensively tells me that we are a you know a title challenging team now we've got to be we've got to be there and i think just making top 4 for me personally isn't isn't enough this season i think we've got to push our boundaries now we've won the champions league which is to me which i have this conversation all the time but it's potentially sometimes harder to win that than it is to win the premier league in my, in some aspects so i think um yeah, you know we've got we've got to do it. we've got to try and push for the league. But I want to get your view now that the window's shut. We've got Lukaku, we've got Sal Nadegas, we've kept and retained the, the best core of the team if you want to call it that. And we've got a goalkeeper in Bentinelli who who can play um, a part when uh, Edouard Mendy's not here. So what do you think about the? overall transfer that we've the the transfer market that we've done the the, the buy-in i think we're 25 or maybe 35 million in profit as well after all the sales Mm -hmm. that we've had so what do you think about the transfer itself um the window and what are our chances of potentially winning the premier league this season
1: i think it was a brilliant transfer window we um we improved in all those positions we needed we needed a striker we got lukaku which is probably Maybe our second choice after Halland, but at the same time, it's a 20-goal-a-season striker who's proven in the Premier League and in Syria. I I couldn't really ask for much more, in a way, and we've seen in it on his debut against Arsenal what he can offer, and even with 10 men, he was kind of still causing problems to Liverpool, so he was going to have a fantastic season. We got Bettinelli, who's going to be a third-choice goalie, which we needed after Kavestan and Cavallero. We got our midfielder, you know, goal-scoring midfielder, which we spoke about previously in the episode. And then I look at Manchester City this season, who are probably our closest rivals in terms of who can win the league before, you know, maybe a month ago. And have they had a good transfer window? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they got Drak Grealish, but is that, you know, the player that they needed realistically? Maybe not. They needed more of a Harry Kane, a Haaland, or even a Lukaku themselves. So, and they haven't looked that impressive, if I'm honest, in the past couple of games. They were, I mean, I know that they beat Arsenal 5-0 and Norwich 5-0, but there's a type of maybe results you'd expect given the circumstances of the games. But um, I kind of, I want to look at Manchester United, maybe. We haven't really mentioned his name yet on this episode, but Cristiano Ronaldo returning (laughs) to the Premier League. I think he could be a really, really important player to them. Um, They got Sancho, they got Varane, they've kind of, you know, improved in all the positions they needed, except for defensive midfielder and maybe as well manager. But they could really challenge us, I think. But otherwise, it's just so hard not to look past Chelsea. And as you said, Liverpool would have been a really tough you know, challenge. And the fact we came out of that really well early on in the season is a good indication of you know, what's to come later on in the season. I kind of just hope that this international break doesn't really break... Um, international break doesn't break the flow of the togetherness and the cohesion of the team, like you mentioned. But otherwise, I'm, I'm confident that you know, we can challenge to win the league, for sure.
0: Yeah. I think we can, and I think we, I think we have to. it would be interesting because I know um, Sal Selniges was probably on the list of United's transfer targets as well, and he probably fits in even more so at United than he does at Chelsea. So, you know, it feels like we've got one up on United, but I do think um, you know Cristiano Ronaldo is a is a massive marquee sign, and um, he's still he's he, you know wherever he, wherever he goes he scores and he does you know massive numbers as well. So it's going to be interesting. I think that transfer definitely puts United in the, the contention, obviously Varane being there as well. Jaden Sancho, Cavani still being there. Mason Greenwood looks like a, a brilliant player as well. So I think we've got to look at, if it was me, I'd be looking at Man City, United and Liverpool, um, as our, as our main threats this season. I think they're going to be the, the three clubs that are going to give us trouble. Um, you know, Ever- Everton, maybe <laughs> I'm not messing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think, um, you know, I think City and United definitely, and Liverpool, obviously, we know what they can do if they keep all their players fit. They, they're definitely, uh, you know, a, a potential title challengers as well. So it's going to be an interesting season. Um, I agree as well. I think the the international break, and I say this every season, comes at the wrong time because we just get into the momentum of the season. Then you've got that massive break, and it feels like it's a lot longer. I think there's three internationals um, whilst the, the teams are away at the moment. And I'm pretty sure there's some in October, at the start of October as well. So it's just the worst thing that you can do during a season.
1: Yeah, I'm just remembering the last international break just after, I think, after Easter weekend. And we came out of it with a 5-2 a defeat to, to West Brom. So, um, yeah, I, I just really hope that doesn't really break the flow of the you know these performances we're having. But I completely agree with you. Liverpool, City, and United as our well, three challengers. I don't even want to mention the North London clubs. I think <laughs> they've had they spent a ridiculous we can amount. Mention, we can of mention <laughs> for, for yeah for the wrong reasons maybe, but, <laughs> but I think you, they've they spent the most money this this transfer window, and I don't think they've improved that much on their squads. So, um, but yeah, I think. Um, yeah. There's, maybe they'll challenge for Europa if they get yeah, act together after the, the international break and um, maybe if they change manager as well, if it, if it convenes to them. But, but I, I think we said it on a previous episode and we'll kind of cement our, our, our kind of um, predictions again, but I think Chelsea will win the Premier League. I'm saying it again on the 1st of September 2021, so you can timestamp
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I think we're going to win it. Um, we're going to be here... In a couple of months, and we're going to be celebrating and and saying, "Well, we did tell you all that you know we we were going to win the league." So, um, it's going to be interesting. I'm going. It's obviously there's I think two weeks, um, or yeah, just under two weeks now till we go again against Aston Villa half five. Um, interesting game. I love Aston Villa as well. Obviously, they're local. Birmingham guy so um, do have a little bit of an interest in, in Villa but um, and they're a brilliant team as well I think they've, they've had a really good window uh, with some of the players that they brought in Danny Ings and um, Leon Bailey being a, being a brilliant player as well so they've got some players there it's going to be, it's going to be hard but the bridge is the fortress so you know um, I'm confident and I'm sure we'll, we'll do an episode on that as well um, in, a, in a couple of weeks or so but any, any key internationals you're looking forward to?
1: Um, I was just looking at the score today of some of them. Um, I think France so drawing with Bosnia before this. Like, I'm not not too fussed about international breaks. I think it will be interesting to watch the England games. You know, always interesting to see Mason Mount play on the South Gate. I think Rhys James as well. Maybe will want to will be kind of hungry to to play some football after maybe missing out on, after missing out on 45 minutes of the Liverpool game. But um, but yeah, I'll put I'll say England Bulgaria. I think oh England Hungary. Sorry, as my my kind of game
0: i want to watch the most yeah i'll be watching all, all of them as much as i can um but yeah we're going to be back in in a week or so we uh yeah we're going to be going to be looking forward to the aston villa game and then also we've got the champions league forward to as well straight after that so it's going to be all systems go after the international break um but as always you can you can follow us on twitter and instagram and on twitter at from the shed end and on Instagram at from the shed end with underscores between each of the words. Um, and again, on, on YouTube, you can, can search for us from the shed end, like and subscribe, um, give us comments and all of that stuff as well. But Theo, do you want to just give the, uh, the listeners your socials so they can find you as well?
1: Sure. So you can follow me at Seski Time on Twitter. So Seski spelled the Sesk Fabregas way. And if you want to see some matchday content from the Chelsea-Aston Villa game and all the Champions League games coming up this season, as well as Premier League drop me a follow, interact with me, and I'll be posting all those, those videos and photos up there.
0: Yeah, and, and with me, this is T-Dot Twitter. Um, that's all I really use. But if you want to interact with me, then that's great. But um, this has been episode 21 of From the Shed M podcast. Thank you all for listening.